0: Hey, Real Love Church, Stuart Crane here. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday morning as we're into the second part of our new sermon series on the Apostles' Creed entitled, I Believe, where we're looking at things that are certain in an uncertain world. Now, this creed we saw last week was an ancient uh, statement of faith uh, handed down from the early church to us that was used by believers um, as a confession at their baptism when a new person became a Christian and they were entering the church and being baptized, they would state this creed out loud as a confession of their faith, saying what they believed in, and then be welcomed into the church. And we started looking at this last week um, to help us. And we looked at the first two words I believe. And what we're going to be doing is basically just picking up from there and continuing on this morning. Um, Before we do that, I'm going to read the creed to you to remind us. We'll put it in the link below if you want to read it for yourself. But this is what it says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. great stuff now last week we talked about Uh, why we have creeds and why they're important and we saw that they were biblical. We find them in both the Old and the New Testaments of our Bible. We see that they carry biblical truth with them. They're a way of conveying that. Uh, We also saw that they are an easy and concise way of proclaiming that truth very clearly about what we believe. We also saw that they can be used to define truth and correct error. When you have a clear statement of faith, if something comes along that isn't true, you can easily see the error. They're excellent at giving a big picture view of what the Bible says uh, about God and his purposes and his plans for us. They are really easy to learn and memorize. Uh, you can teach children creeds um, as well as adults and they can learn it and memorize it and then they've got it uh, for life then. Uh, they're excellent at uniting believers throughout the ages and around the world. So as we say, the Apostles' Creed now it unites us with 2,000 years of Christianity and all the saints who came before us, plus all the ones who are around the world saying it today with us this Sunday morning. The creeds also stir our hearts for worship. And as we dwell on them and we think about them and the great truth that is kind of contained in us, our hearts and our worships are stirred and fueled towards God and his glory. And the reality is we already use them even in a church like us that hasn't been going that long, we have statements of faith and belief that we say all the time. So they are all around us. And so we are spending time now looking at this one from many, many years ago. There is a caveat, of course, is that they don't replace scripture. They are not better than scripture. They are just a useful tool for learning the truths of scripture and holding onto them and so last week we looked at the first two words of the creed I believe that begin the creed but then they actually appear twice more as you go through it Um, and we found that meant that one they were personal when you say a creed, you are saying it for yourself. No one else can say it on your behalf. When you're stating what you believe, you have to own it as a personal commitment, just like what it means to become a Christian and say, I will follow in Jesus. You make that decision for yourself. The second thing we found is that because that word believe in there is in it's because it's about faith. It's about what we agree with, what we think is true, it is about what we trust and we have confidence in. It is about what we are committed to and what we are going to build our life on. And the third one is—it's about sorry. The fourth one is about what it, it's obedience that we are going to obey and what we believe affects our life and carries on through it. And um, as part of our lockdown living, we encourage you to learn and memorize the creed. I know some of you have been writing it down and sticking it on the cupboards in the kitchen and the light. Like. We've seen pictures on social media, but uh, people have found songs where this creed has been put to music and they've been learning that lots of creative ways, which is excellent. So we encourage you to do that. Also the book uh, that we recommended, What Christians Ought to Believe by Michael Bird. Some people have ordered that and started reading that to get into that. Please carry on doing that. That's an excellent way to study uh, this creed and learn for yourself. Now. Today, we're going to pick up from where we left off and read the next line of the creed and look at what that means. So it says, I believe we've got that far, then it says this in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So let's look at that first bit in God. I believe in God. When we talk about uh, faith and what we believe in as Christians it is fixed firmly in one place and that is a belief in God as revealed to us in the Bible. It's not a vague idea of some kind of we believe in some God up there out there or some vague idea of uh, a benevolent force in the universe or spirit. It is focused particularly on one God and that is the one true God revealed to us In the Bible that we see there and God has revealed himself uh, through his word to us and we get into um, some doctrine now and that is God has revealed himself as the triune God. And what does that mean? Well that is the God who is three in one. And theologians uh, use the word Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, to sum up this teaching. And the doctrine of the Trinity is foundational to the Christian faith. It is foundational to the storyline of the Bible, and it is foundational to the creed that we have just read out to you. So what does that mean? Well, Trinity uh, basically means three-in-one, three-in-oneness, that God is one God. He is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And each person is fully and completely god which if you did that as a mass uh, sort of equation it would be one add one add one equals one which doesn't really make sense and the doctrine of the trinity has taxed the minds of some of the greatest theologians who have ever lived some of the wisest people who've ever lived and they've kind of been sort of grappling with this truth and the reason for that is that in the doctrine of the Trinity what we are trying to do is to describe the indescribable we are trying with finite minds to understand an infinite God we are creatures who are trying to understand our creator and whenever that happens we can look at the revelations God's given us but if we're trying to go beyond that it gets more and more difficult because we are finite. We are small. God is above us. God is greater than us. He is infinite and we can't fully grab hold of it. Um, and so when it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity, you'll find if you look, search through your Bible, you won't find that word anywhere. Trinity does not is not a Bible word. It is a word that was coined to sum up what the Bible teaches about God, that there is one God. He is three persons, each person is fully god and as we study the scriptures you you kind of you see those truths coming through but in us trying to understand the doctrine of the trinity sometimes it's easier to say what it's not to help us understand rather than what it is Um, and over the years theologians have grappled with this, um, because sometimes people look at the doctrine of the Trinity and they're trying to balance the unity of one God between the diversity of him being three persons. And the danger is you stray from one side or you stray to the other. And what's happened over the years is um, heresies have arisen that have had to be kind of combated by the church saying, actually, no, that's not what we believe. And some of the false beliefs about the Trinity are that um there is one god but he has kind of three hats if you will three roles um just like myself i am one person but i'm also a i'm a father i'm a uh, husband and i'm also a church leader so it's one person but got three roles so well that's what the trinity is but actually that's the ancient heresy of modalism because it denies the fact that there are three um, there are three within the trinity three separate persons in the trinity so we reject that the other thing is to say well maybe they're just three gods actually we'll, we'll go to the diversity end of the spectrum but that's the ancient heresy of tritheism that says actually no there isn't one god there's actually three gods which the bible completely denies. there is hero israel the lord your god is one and you shall worship and love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and so actually no there is very clearly one god the other big uh, Uh, place people go is they kind of say well there's one god but maybe there's kind of two little gods lesser gods minor gods and it's usually god the father at the top and then kind of jesus as god the son is a bit like well he's okay but he's a bit special but he's not god and then the holy spirit usually gets relegated to some strange force but either that's the ancient heresy of monarchism and uh, we reject that too and people have tried to understand the trinity by using illustrations just like i did there as a as a one person but I've got three kind of roles in my life. And the reality is any illustration that tries to sum up the Trinity is inherently flawed and will lead to heresy. And so it's best to just not bother with them and stick with what the Bible says. The Bible says clearly there is one God. He is three persons and each person is fully God. And as we look at uh, the gospel um, of Jesus, and what we believe as Christians, the, the Trinity comes through all of that in what we say. We see um, that the Father is the one who chooses us. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. We find that Christ through his death and resurrection is the one who redeems us, who buys us back from sin and slavery and has paid the price for us. And then we find that God the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us life, causes us to be born again, he empowers us for service. And following of Jesus, and so even that is inherently trinitarian. Even as we come into our faith as Christians, and we are baptised, uh, which the creed would use as a baptismal confession, what do we say? Jesus said to his followers, "You will go in all the world, teach everyone what I've taught you, and you will baptise them. What in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." So there's the Trinity just being outward there from the command of Jesus saying, this is what we've done. And as we look at the creed, uh, we see the Trinity just come up through it because the I believe statement is in there three times. Recognising the threeness uh, of God and it says, I believe in God the Father. Then the next one is, I believe in Jesus as God the Son. And then towards the end is the final, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So that's what we have. So what we're going to be looking at as we go through the Creed. We'll be looking at each person of the Trinity and what their role is. And today it is God the Father. And we see three things about him. So I believe in God. And it says what? It says he is Father, Almighty, Creator. And so we're going to look at first those three things in order. The first one, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Father. So the first thing we can be certain about in an uncertain world is that God is our Father. That means he's personal. That means he can be That means we can have a relationship with him. As we look in our Bibles and we go back to the Old Testament, we see God revealing himself as father to the nation of Israel. We see in the prophet Hosea, talks about uh, God the Father carrying the nation like like a child um, because they were struggling and that's what he did. That's the role of the father. We see in the Psalms that he is a father to the fatherless in a general sense of the outcast and the poor. And then we move into the New Testament and Jesus comes and he reveals God as our Father. And he does that in the most uh, kind of famous ways in the Lord's Prayer, which we've looked at at the beginning of the year. The prayer simply starts, Father, Abba Father, Dear Father, it begins. And so we can relate to God as our Father, which is just a wonderful truth for us. Now, thinking about God as Father, I know can be painful for some people uh, because your earthly example of a father was poor. Um, They might have been cruel, uh, vindictive, abusive, absent, distractive uh, around you. They might be uh, away from you because they have left or worse yet they may have died and all those things can be very difficult and painful to process Um, but God revealing himself to us as father is like the ideal father for us better than any human father could ever be he's the example that all human fathers should aspire to about what being a dad really is like and so god the father is like a human father in many ways and he's unlike a human father in ways too so let's have a look at these he's like a human father in these ways he loves us and cares for us like human fathers should love and care for their children god loves you god cares for you god wants to know you and be in relationship with you. God is a father because we are made in his image. As a human being, you are made in the image of God, just like uh, our children represent their parents and represent their father in that you can see family likeness coming through very quickly in a newborn child. We are like our father in heaven. We can be, He can be known Just like human dads can be known, God can be known. And that that relationship can grow and develop. So we have a father in heaven who can be known and we can grow that relationship with him. We are his children. We have been adopted into his family and we enjoy all the privileges that come with that. The privilege of being children, that we can have full access to our father, that we can talk to him, that we can know him is wonderful. Uh, He knows all our strengths and weaknesses. He knows everything about us. He knows what's the good stuff. He knows what's the bad stuff. And he still loves us anyway, which is just wonderful news. He is close to us. Like human fathers can come, be there by their kids, hold them, cuddle them, carry them if necessary. God is close to us. He is with us. He listens to us. He is not too busy or distracted, um, stuck on his phone or... Elsewhere at the office he is there and he is attentive when we call and when we cry to him. He's also not like human fathers in that he is completely perfect and completely good. Every human father no matter how child they try will fail. They get things wrong, things don't go right, they can be short, they can be bad tempered even with the best intentions to try and be a good loving father. They all fail at certain points but the great thing about God is he never fails. He is never vindictive. He is never cruel. He is never mean to his children. He loves them and cares them. He is always with them. He never leaves. He never forsakes them. He's never off somewhere else. He's never absent. He is right with them. He does not fail them. God cannot fail us as his father. He is always there planning for us, helping us, guiding us, and ultimately he can turn all things out for our good. But in saying God is our father, We're not saying God is male. We just have to be clear about that. Uh, When God created humans, he created Adam and Eve, male and female, and in the image of God, he created them. So when we talk about God as Father, we're not saying that he is male. We are saying that this is how he has chosen to reveal himself to us. And interestingly, if you go through scripture, you find actually God using maternal images as well to describe his care for his people as well as as well as well paternal images. Um, but the one he's chosen above all is to reveal his father, but that doesn't exclude in any way ladies or mothers as legitimate kind of uh, callings before God and uh, what they have to offer as well. But God is our father and that is a wonderful thing. So the second thing revealed to us is that I believe in God who is almighty i believe in god who is almighty meaning he is powerful meaning he is powerful this is god almighty el shaddai he has all power and authority is in him and any power and authority that anyone else exercises ultimately comes from him and this word kind of almighty covers the fact that he is all-powerful the fact that He is all-knowing the fact that he is all-present he is self-existent he is unchangeable he has full perfection and infinite majesty within his being he is incredible and mighty and what seems impossible for us would be possible for him because of his power now this does not mean that his power is vindictive or cruel Um, because of, remember the first point, he is our father, he is our loving father. His power is used in line with his character. So his power, he is a father almighty. And so we have a loving heavenly father who is all powerful before us. So he is not unloving, he is not random, he is not unjust in any way or inconsistent. He is power is used in line with his character and nature. He is ruling and reigning in kingly authority Over all things, and that power enables and frees us to serve and worship Him. He is not limited by anything beyond His own character. There is no force outside that can put pressure on God, or force Him to change or change His ways, or force Him to do something He doesn't want to do. He has infinite power to achieve His purposes. Now, where do we see this power displayed? There's three things we can just dwell on. The first one is we see His power displayed in creation, which we're going to look at. In the next point, we get to Creator. The second thing is we see his power displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ and his subsequent resurrection. And this is one of the great ironies of our Bible is that God's power was displayed in weakness. God's power was displayed in apparent death and defeat. The Apostle Paul wrote this: it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God second place oh sorry the third place where we see god's power displayed and that is in the gospel of jesus christ the good news uh, that goes out into the world that men and women can be saved from their sins and know jesus and have eternal life because it says this in romans 1:16 it says for i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to anyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek As the good news of Jesus is preached, as we proclaim it fearlessly and boldly in our churches, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our friendships, groups, the power of God is displayed and lives are transformed. If you're a Christian and you're listening to this, that has happened in your life. You have heard the good news of Jesus. God's power has been at work. Once was dead, he's now alive and you are now following him um, as his disciple and that is God's power displayed to you. So that was the second one. The third one, And the final one is, I believe in God who is creator. I believe in God who is creator. And that's the third thing we can be certain of in an uncertain world. He is creator and there is no other. Uh, Everything um, was created by him. We link back to the second point, he is powerful, he is almighty, so he's creating out of his power. He had created everything out of nothing. And if we go back to Genesis 1, that's actually how the Bible begins, as God as creator. In the beginning, God created. And we find out that God uh, was independent from his creation. He is not bound by time and space. He created uh, the heavens and the earth at his word. He is the eternal God. Nothing existed before creation, yet he spoke and it came into being. And the rest of the the Bible and the worldview of the Bible is born out of that, that God created everything. It says uh, in the creeds that he created the heavens and the earth. And that is just a catch-all way of saying everything, covering all bases there, the heavens and the earth. It covers what is seen and what is unseen. So the physical world that we can see as you look outside, God created that. The unseen world, the spiritual realm, the things beyond us that we don't quite see, uh, or almost seen glimpses. God created all that as well. He created the biggest of the smallest, the highest, largest mountain ranges in the world. God created down to the tiniest atoms that make up our body and what we see around us. He created what is near to us and what is far away from us. The stuff you see outside your house as you go for your walk and the furthest reaches of our galaxy. I don't know if you've read in the newspaper that this year is the 30th anniversary of the Hubble Space Telescope and they were put pictures on the BBC website of what it had, what it could see as it looked far out into space and it was taking pictures of galaxies and galaxies that were full of hundreds of billions of stars and they they found there are hundreds of billions of galaxies which is just awesome to think about but behind it all God made that. God we're only just getting to see it now thanks to our technology but actually God created that in the beginning and now we are getting to see it. All creatures, all animals and insects and birds and fish and human God created all of them. He is limitless in his power and his creation for our our intents and purposes is limitless as well. There are vast ways even of our planet that we haven't discovered. I was reading uh, in the newspaper the, um, that they're uh, The under the sea. There are seabeds all over the world that haven't even been discovered. They're too deep. They're too far. We couldn't get to them and only now they're being seen and creatures are being discovered that we didn't even know were there. God created all that uh, wonderful creation. He's also the sustainer. So he didn't just create it. He actually keeps it all going. Uh, there are on views that say, well, God created, then he kind of cleared off. He, he, Like Elvis, he left the building, but actually now God is present. He is sustaining this worth. He is holding it all together. And these answer the fundamental questions of life, which people ask, which is kind of, who am I and why am I here? Where did I come from? The creed answers those questions straight off the bat. God created. God made you. God is powerful. He loves you and wants to know you. Um, and they are wonderful truths to dwell on. Let's finish now with a little bit of application for our lockdown living. Yeah, There's two things I just want to suggest to you out of this, out of these truths that we can maybe put into practices. The first one is to get to know God as your Father. Get to know God as your Father. In this time of lockdown living, we actually have more kind of time on our hands than we would because we don't have to go anywhere and that busyness is gone and so it's opening up opportunities. Use them wisely to get to know God as your father. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to this and you don't know Jesus the first thing you need to do is to get to know, him, is to repent of your sin, is to put your faith and trust in Jesus as the one who died in your place, paid the punishment for the things you've done wrong, that's simply what sin means. He died on the cross, he rose in bodily and from death, he ascended into heaven and he wants to forgive you and he wants to help you enter a relationship with your father in heaven. He taught us to pray our father and maybe that's something you need to look at, think about. If you're not sure, get in contact with us. We'd love to talk with you about what that means, but you need to get to know your father in heaven. He loves you. He's waiting for you. He wants to know you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. If you are a Christian here, invest time in prayer at this time we've uh, done our series on teachers to pray. And I said a few weeks ago when we kind of first went into this lockdown that actually God has given us an opportunity to put into practice what we've been learning about. Praying the Lord's Prayer. Get into prayer and talk to him. Let him know how you're feeling. Many of you are feeling frustrated or uncertain, fearful, uh, kind of under pressure at this time, uh, feeling flat down. I don't know if you had it this week. I had this week, I had that moment where I literally didn't know what day it was. I I had to sit down and think about it. And even then I went and checked my calendar just to make sure I was right. I've been feeling in some ways flat this week, not bad, just kind of uh, flat. If you're feeling like that or anything worse, talk to God about it. Come to him. Let him know how you're doing. Be honest about your feeling. Many of the Psalms that we read uh, in our Bibles are those kind of prayers of frustration and anger and like, what's going on, God? If you're in that situation, talk to him. But also remember when you do so that he is not just Father, but he is almighty. That means he has the power to answer our prayers. He has the power to act in situations. He has the power to heal. He has the power to deliver. He has the power to save. He can break through in finances. He can break through and bring hope and peace uh, if you are struggling. So please, in this opportunity, get to know your father in heaven. Praise him, worship him, put on some of those um, songs that have been going out on our playlist and lift your spirits and look and call out to him because in uncertain times, we can be certain that he hears our prayers and he is swift to come and meet us in those. Second thing, last thing, is why don't we make time in this lockdown living to enjoy his creation? Enjoy his creation. God is the creator of everything. But when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he told them to go out in that creation and do something with it, to cultivate the garden. And so why not look at opportunities when you've got a bit more time on your hands to be creative, to get out in creation. Make sure you apply with government guidelines, social distancing, etc. But when you go out on your walk in the parks, in the green spaces, go out and enjoy them. When you have to come back to your houses where we're spending most of our time, be creative there. Do anything you can um, to be creative. You can by singing and writing and making and building and painting and decorating and all sorts of things. Get out in your garden if you have one and practice, do something creative out there. Get with your kids if you've got them home. Be creative there. I'm finding in my house, I'm suddenly being creative in kids' work every Sunday where I'm usually out in the meeting preaching. I now have opportunities because this is pre-recorded. I'm sitting down with my kids and I'm doing art with them. I'm being created with them, which is brilliant. Whatever's happened, do it now. I think my kids now with my uh, Melanie and they're baking, making something, being creative and having fun like that. Do something like that. So let's finish there. Get to know God as your Father. Love Him. Talk to Him. Bring how you're feeling to Him. Remember that He is powerful and mighty to save. Bring your request boldly to Him and enjoy the creation He's given you and the creativity He's put in you because you are made in His image. I'm going to finish. I'm going to pray and then we're going to wrap up our time together. Please keep reading the Creed. Please keep getting into that. Read the book uh, and enjoy what um, God is teaching us through this. So let me pray, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that your presence here. We thank you that you've revealed God to us as Father Almighty, Creator of heavens and earth, Lord. And we we come before you now, God, and say, we love you. We praise you. We're not sure what's going on in this season, God, but we trust you. We thank you that you are with us, Lord. We thank you that you are powerfully moving in this place to bring. Uh, plans and purposes for you God we pray um, that you use them for your glory use us for them glory God we pray you release your creativity in us that we see more of it we enjoy your creation we do all the things uh, that we can to make the most of this time together amen okay we're done if you haven't caught up on some of the videos they'll appear on the screen around me and last thing I'll say is uh, wash your hands and stay close to Jesus